Good evening. <clears throat> and as always, I want to thank you for uh, watching tonight. I pray that you've had a wonderful day. I pray that that the Lord has blessed you. Um, if you've struggled today, I, I pray that, that you will find comfort and peace in the Lord. Uh, it's a miracle, I know, two days in a row. Uh, but uh, I'm thankful for the opportunity to share with you uh, from the Word of God. Uh, we are in Philippians chapter 4. We have just looked at becoming an overcomer. And I thought about kind of changing the theme of that, but as I go along in this chapter uh, four, it really is more practical ways to to be an overcomer, to avoid the pitfalls that bring us down. Uh, as we looked about how we are to think and how we are to walk and how we're to might not be sidetracked and how we're to be on guard. Well, in chapter 4, Paul begins to do something that most of us would die if we had to do or it was done to us. Paul goes from talking about people who are causing difficulty to naming names. And sometimes people will get on to me uh, as a pastor because I'll, I'll mention a situation with no names and they're like, well, what if they're listening Paul would have said, I hope they're listening and I hope this is what God uses to change them. And so in verse 2, it says in chapter 4, I implore Eodia and I implore Syntychek to be of the same mind in the Lord. Apparently, these two ladies had had a disagreement. We don't know what about. We don't know why. But anytime you get more than one person together, the potential for division is there. You say, well, Jake, this is, man, this is an early church. Man, they should have had the answers and, and, and had everything figured out as they were just growing and thriving and experiencing. People have always been sinners. Churches have always had disagreements. People tell me all the time, Jake, I just, I don't understand why churches have problems. I don't understand why people can't agree. I don't understand why people can't get along. Because we're people. You say, well, not me, Jake. I don't cause trouble at church. I don't cause trouble at home. Well, if, if you've never admitted to that, you've probably done a good job of hiding it. Because all of us have. All of us have been selfish. All of us have been struggled. You say, well, I'm not that way at home. If you are married, you have had a disagreement. You have had a time when you have been selfish. You say, well, no, that's never happened. Then you are living with a person who will let you get what you want, even at their personal cost. Same way it works. There is division from time to time. And so Paul says, you've got to get your what? Thinking back on track, just like we talked about in the last chapter. You think, so you go. He goes on in verse 3 and says, And I urge you also, true companion, help these women who labored with me in the gospel, with Clement also, and the rest of my fellow workers, whose names are in the book of life. He says these are saved people having a disagreement. But he says, you know the cure to that? Get back to doing what you're supposed to do. And we looked at that in the last chapter. As you think and then you walk. If you want to know what the cure to division is in a church, it's called serving. 
If you're serving in the nursery and serving in children's ministry and serving on the missions and serving and doing and helping people, you don't have time to sit around and bicker about what the wall paint looks like or or is the temperature too cold? Or in the same way in your marriage, if you are serving each other, you're you're helping with the dishes, you're mowing the yard, you're helping with the kids, you're you're helping get things ready for for work. Then there's not time to sit around and bicker about the little things. And so we see here that when division comes, when it begins to cripple you as an overcomer, you have to remember to think God's way and to serve God's way. But what comes next? Verse 4, it says, Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. You've got to get back to worshiping God for His goodness. Worshiping Him in your private time. Worshiping Him corporately at church. Now, I'm going to say something, and I get a lot of flack for this, and but I'm a big guy, and I can handle it. We're living in a day and age when church is what people skip to do what they want. So, for instance, if I want to take a vacation uh, and I don't want to use an extra day at work, I'll leave on Sunday so that I don't have to use an extra day at work. I'm going to take my vacation on Sunday because I've got stuff on Saturday. It shouldn't be that way. We should not want to miss church. I'm going to leave on Monday for vacation because I really don't want to miss the worship of God's people. And I might come home on Saturday because I don't want to miss what God is doing. Or I'm going to be gone and I don't have a choice. I'm going to worship while I'm gone. You say, oh, Jake, that's a fanatical view. That's a fanatical view of rejoicing. That's what it says. Rejoice always. And rejoicing can be with yourself, but it can also be with other people. You and I need that encouragement. We need that accountability. It goes on and says, though let your gentleness be known to all men. The Lord is at hand. How to become an overcomer is you get back to worshiping. You get past the way you're thinking of, of division. And you begin to care about other people. Having compassion on those around you. We're living in a world where compassion is far and few between. We look at what people have done wrong. We looked at how people have wronged us. We looked at the mistakes at church and what others have done to us. And we can't forgive. We can't extend grace. And what we've done is we have admitted defeat. The moment that we lose our compassion, we admit that we don't care and that we're not going to care. But yet Jesus cared about us. Jesus Cared about us so much that he came and died on the cross for your sin and for mine. You say, okay, Jake, I've got my mind right. I've been serving God. Uh, I have been rejoicing. I have been uh, caring about other people. That's got to be it. I've got to have it figured out. But in the very next verse, he says, be anxious for nothing. You say, why would he throw that in there? Because, friends, just when you and I think we have it figured out, Satan's going to do something to rock our world. He's going to bring someone else into our life that's going to try to cause division. He's going to open up opportunities that we could serve, but yet someone else doesn't want to do it the same way we do. There's going to be opportunities for us to miss rejoicing the Lord. There's going to be moments when someone betrays our compassion and we want to become hard-hearted. And we begin to grow anxious. 
And so he says, be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your request be known to God. You got to come to God with your prayers. You got to come to God with your requests, but not out of a state of worry. But God, I believe that you can do this. God, I know you're going to work. I know you're going to move. God, I know you can help me. I know that you can care for this. God, you've been so, so good. I don't want you to miss this. Because he tells us to do all these things. And then he gives us a promise. Verse 7. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. You said, man, I want that. I want the peace of God in my heart. It even says that it'll protect you. Now, don't miss this. This is an and statement in the sense that if you will do these things, this will be the result. You see, most of us want the result without the doing these things. Most of us want to keep that division and feud alive. Peace doesn't come. Most of us don't want to serve and to sacrifice to honor God. Then friends, the peace will not come. Well, most of us don't want to rejoice and be thankful in every situation. Then the peace will not come. Most of us don't want to be compassionate and and to have care and love and concern for people that we don't think deserve it, then the peace of God will not come. You see, that's like forgiveness. Forgiveness is available. Forgiveness is offered. But unless you repent, you won't be forgiven. It's like heaven. Heaven is offered. But unless you ask the Lord to forgive you and be the Savior and Lord of your life, you're not going. And so tonight, the result that you want, God has given you a choice. Choose wisely. Choose to do the things that God has called you to do and watch how God can supply what you need. As always, thank you for watching tonight and I pray that the Lord would bless and, and take care of you. And if I can help you, or do anything for you at all, please let me know. And so God bless, and Lord willing, um, we'll be together tomorrow night, three nights in a row. Again, that'd be a wonderful blessing. For me, maybe not so much for you. So have a wonderful night.